There's a couple reasons for this. Hopefully this will go well. This is, we're trying this out. But first of all, it uh, saves paper. It saves uh, energy. Andrew doesn't have to fold all of these things and stuff, and stuff a program. Uh, but probably more than anything, it saves the church $1,000 a year. And uh, so I get an uh, amen for our, bo- our chair of our finance committee or a finance a committee member, and uh, so there are a couple different reasons, but part of what that means is there's no connection card for you to pull out of your program, but those are stuffed in front of you in the pews. So if you take that out and uh, fill that out, if you are a guest here with us, you might be able to leave us some information that we could give you a welcome to the church. Also, if you'd like to request information or um, sign up for something or leave us a prayer request, please leave that on the back. In fact, one thing that you could request is, because I'm not uh, putting the sermon-based questions in the program anymore, if you want to be emailed those, you could just leave me, just uh, say uh, questions uh, and leave me your email. And I'm going to send those out in an email every week. And uh, if you don't want to do that email, uh, you can get it off the church website or we'll put a paper copy on the pretzel kiosk every week. You can pick up a copy uh, there as well if you want a hard copy. Because the programs are shorter, part of the reason is we've moved some of the information onto a brochure. We got these nice new fancy brochures that are at the Connection Central booth. And uh, so if you want one of those, but this is meant to be just an overview of the church, everything that's going on, how it all fits together. And so these will be offered at the, at the Connection Central booth. If you're a guest here, I invite you to pick one of those up and pick up a cup, a mug, and uh, you can get one of those after the service as well. And so these are all things that are help, to help us be on the same page. In terms of announcements, I guess the big one is next week is congregational meeting, and so please keep that in mind for all members of the church to plan, and we'll do that immediately after the worship service. That means there will be no lunch after service, so you'll either pack a lunch, eat it while the meeting's going on, or eat a late lunch. That's the, that's the rough nature of uh, congregational meeting once a year. Suck it up, all right? A uh, couple meetings today, college young adults, food and fellowship uh, meeting for all of those that are serving in that ministry or would like to serve. Uh, that is taking place in room two as well. So a few different things. As Chris noted in our welcome, today is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow we ce- celebrate Memorial Day. And though it's a very small uh, gesture, I think it's good for us to take a minute and to recognize our veterans in our church that have served. So if you are a veteran here this morning, would you please stand that we might just simply take a minute and acknowledge you and to thank you for your service. Thank you. We appreciate that. Pastor Rick is on vacation this week. So just in case you were thinking, boy, that sickness last week was 
really bad. No, he's, he's not sick anymore. At least I hope he's not. He's living it up. And uh, he and Amy went, and, the fa- and their family, went. they do a mammoth trip every year. And that's where he is at. Today's message is on prayer. Boy, one of these fundamental activities that we as Christians engage in. I love to hear little kids pray. This week, uh, we have to we divide up who prays for our meals now. Uh, so Thursday is Dawson's prayer day, uh, at least one of his prayer days. And he prayed this week for the cows that gave the milk that we were about to drink. Now, uh, that's a great prayer. I would have never thought to pray that prayer. And this is a good thing. A couple months ago, we were watching a basketball game, and Kawhi Leonard, who is a player for the Spurs, just has these massive hands. And I was saying, part of the reason he's such a good defensive player, such a good basketball player, because he's got these big hands. Well, sure enough, as we're laying in bed that night, going to sleep, we say our bedtime prayers, and Dawson prays, God, give me good, uh, big hands. In fact, this is a regular prayer request. Almost every day, Dawson prays for big hands. Somehow it got cemented in his mind. Kinsey, on the other hand, is a different story. Her prayers are very short and sweet. Always two words, Jesus, amen. That's the extent of her prayers. And, uh, and so I don't worry about Jesus' teaching to be like the Pharisees who babble on and on. To the point, Jesus, amen. Fill in the blank, I guess. Uh, God will get the rest. And as we think about these prayers for little kids, I think they're short and sweet, but eventually we want to grow up in our prayer life. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for the little stuff, and I'm not even saying that as we grow physically, as we get older, our prayers will change. I'm talking about in terms of our spiritual growth. That as we grow in our faith, over time, hopefully, our prayers will evolve as well. That we will become more uh, mature in how we lift our prayers up to the Lord. Now, even as I introduce this message this morning, I speak from a sense of uh, conviction. Because what we are talking about this morning, I don't feel like I am super strong in. We're going to talk about praying for other people and praying for others in our lives, what we sometimes call uh, prayers of intercession. A prayer of intercession is a prayer to God uh, offered on behalf of someone else. Now, there are certain areas of my life that I would say, yeah, I feel like actually I have a pretty strong prayer life. I, you know, I sense regularly I'm able just to dwell in the presence of God and I And I'm able to meditate on Scripture and to offer prayers uh, back to the Lord along those lines. And I spend time just praying for myself, the confession of my sins. But when it comes to praying for others, I feel like I am pretty weak. We get our prayer uh, emails and all of these things that are listed that people have requested prayer for, people that are asking prayer because they're sick. And I go through those, those things, but... When, I'm all, when it's all said and done, I feel like my intercessory prayer life is pretty shallow and pretty weak, especially when I look at some of the prayers that are offered in the Bible. Thinking specifically of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, in his letters, he writes these prayers for the churches, 
and, uh, and they have such depth. It just kind of inspires you reading the prayer. And there are many throughout his letters. And we're going through the book of Ephesians in our Sunday sermons. And Ephesians has one of the best of them. Right there in the middle of the book in chapter 3, Paul uh, offers this prayer for the church in Ephesus. And there is such depth. Graham Scroggie, who has written a, class, a book that's kind of a classic on prayer called Paul's Prison Prayers. And this book is almost 100 years old, 1921. And I hang on to this because it's got such good stuff in it. Scroggie writes, Great as have been other prayers, it may not be too much to claim that this one in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, is the greatest. Now, if that's not motivation for us to look at this uh, prayer, I don't know what is. But that is just a plug for us to say, let's look at this prayer and seek to evaluate our own prayer life, especially intercessory prayer. And maybe there are some things here that we can apply to help us strengthen our own prayers on behalf of others. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now I realize that's a lot to take in on first reading. That's a lot to digest. But my hope is that maybe we can identify a couple repeated themes and a couple patterns here, uh, a pattern here in Paul's prayer that will actually be something that we can apply to our lives so let's go before the Lord and ask for his help as we look at this passage together. Father God, it is one thing to pray about a sermon on prayer. And so God, we come before you now and pray that you would bless us and lead us and guide us, that ultimately you would be our teacher, that you would touch our hearts, that you would speak to us and actually help us to apply what we have before us this morning that you would strengthen us to be men and women of prayer, that we would pray for one another with spiritual depth and maturity in such a way that it would touch your heart and that you might work in the lives of those that we know and love. And so we lift this up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first words here in this passage are, for this reason. So obviously we've got to go back. Where, uh, Paul's grounding this in something. For this reason. Uh, most of what Paul has been talking about in the last at least chapter and a half, in the second half of chapter 2 in Ephesians, and then all of what's been written so far in chapter 3, has been dealing with this theological uh, 
difficulty that the early church had. Probably more than any other difficulty, the early church wrestled with how are Jews and Gentiles coming together in the same family. Jews had a long history of being God's people. They were called God's children all the way going back to Abraham and Moses and the people of Israel as they're led out of, uh, out of Egypt. And they had ingrained within their minds that they were God's chosen people, his children. And now all of a sudden, these Gentiles, who, were, who they had always been told were outside of the camp of God's people, were being admitted into God's family as followers of him. Uh, and so Paul has been uh, talking through this, and he says there is a change happening that God is now receiving Jews and Gentiles alike. For example, in Ephesians 2.19, it says, You are no longer, speaking to the Gentiles, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, with the Jews, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles in the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So in other words, Jesus is building a new building, so to speak. He's the chief cornerstone. And in this, uh, and in this uh, new work of God, both Jews and Gentiles are brought together in one family. And so Paul prays, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family, and then he goes beyond families of Jews and, and Greeks. He goes, uh, for every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. To kneel is a sign of reverence, right? And Paul is coming before God in, uh, in a sense of honor, and he, and he calls God Father. Again, it picks up on this idea of the family. And we don't really grasp this, but in the Greek, Paul uses a special word for the word family here. It is a, a word that is almost at its core the exact same word for father. It's pater and then patera. And uh, it's not the normal word for family. He's clearly drawing attention to it. He's making a link to say that we are a part of a family of God the Father. And from Him we derive our name. Not only do we have our beginning, but we have our own identity. You see, in our, as Christians, we belong to two families. When I got married, you know, you, you bring two people together and you gotta, kinda, you're, you got to balance two families now. When I was a kid, there was always conflict. Who's are we going to go to my mom's family for Christmas? Are we going to go to my dad's family for uh, Christmas or whatever the holiday is? And some of you know this dilemma. Now, for Chelsea and I, this wasn't so hard because my family lives in Iowa and we fly there once a year. Uh, so we always go into her family. But for some of you, this is a real balancing act. Here Paul is saying we are a part of two families. We have a heavenly family and we have an earthly family. Now, our heavenly family, when we think about our, who is our heavenly family, we think about, first of all, I think of the angels when we think of heaven, and then we think of God himself, and, we're, and God is called here our Father, and Jesus in Hebrews 2.10 is referred to as our brother. And ultimately, what Paul is doing is he is identifying us in God's, uh, holy, in God's heavenly family. In fact, the word that is used for heaven here is plural. 
that uh, I, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in the heavens, and I wish it would translate that, but it's, maybe it's hard for people to understand, but whenever it is referred to in the plural, the distinction that the author is making is very clear, that God's presence is drawn near towards us. In ancient thought, there was three levels to heaven. There was the highest heaven, the throne room of God, where God and his angels dwelt. There was the stars in the universe above, the, the second heaven. And then the first heaven around us was the atmosphere and the air that we breathe. And so when it says the heavens, it's saying that God's presence is dro- uh, brought near all around us. Jesus used the same phrase, our Father, the one in the heavens. That's the Lord's Prayer. It's plural there. And what he is saying is God's presence has been brought near to us. It's brought near to us in the person of Jesus, but now for us in 2017, it's brought near to us through the Holy Spirit. And so this is our heavenly family. We are a part of, of of God himself and related to him with his spirit living within us. We are also a part of an earthly family. Not a family that we were born into, that is our flesh and blood. It's a family that we were born uh, again into, purchased through the blood of Jesus. And so we think about those, that family is right here among us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the church. These are the primary two ways that Jesus' presence is with us today, is it not? Through the Holy Spirit who is called the Spirit of Christ, and through the church, which is called the body of Christ. And this is how Paul addresses God. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and now it is upon this foundation that he's going to pray. Two points to his prayer. First of all, found in verse 16, he says, I pray that, and then again in, verse, in the middle of verse 17, I pray that you... So let's, let's look at these two points. The first thing that uh, Paul prays for is God's power through his Holy Spirit. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It is a prayer for power in our inner being. It's a prayer that we would be transformed from the inside out, that we would be like Christ. Our inner being is uh, is the core of who we are. Sometimes we see prayers of power in the Bible. We see Paul, I mean, we see Jesus pray for two fish and five loaves, and all of a sudden 5,000 people are fed. Elijah prays that it would not rain, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Again, he prays, and it rains for another three and a half years. The apostles pray for those who are sick, and they are healed and even raised from the dead. But the prayer that Paul is talking about here is even a deeper prayer of power. It is a prayer that we might be changed from the inside out. He prays that that, uh, Christ may dwell in, in our hearts through faith. A number of years ago, there was a little booklet put out called, uh, uh, called My Heart, Christ's Home. And some of you may have seen this little booklet, uh, My Heart, Christ's Home. 
the author uses, he actually uses this prayer as a jumping off point to give this whole analogy of what would it look like if Christ really dwelt in our hearts, this idea of taking up residence in our hearts. And he talks about Jesus moving from room to room in our hearts and in our lives. And first of all, he might go into the library of our mind, Munger uh, says, and he looks over the bookshelves and he takes off certain books and he throws them in the trash and he replaces them with the Word of God. And then he might move into the dining room in which we eat our food and there's all kinds of food on the table and, and Christ might look at these things and he would throw out some of the things that do not belong there. He would take away our appetite for materialism and prestige and greed and these things. And he might replace it with, with a hunger and thirst for the things that please him. Things like gentleness and meekness and love. And then Jesus might move into the living room where we, where we uh, entertain our guests. And not physical guests, obviously, but those things that we entertain within our hearts that bring us pleasure in the living rooms of our heart. And he might kick out some of those things and replace them with things of godliness. And then Munger even says, Jesus looks into the closets where we keep our hidden sins. And he concludes that only when Jesus has cleaned every room, closet, and corner in the entire house can he settle down and be at home. You see, this is the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner being. That Jesus would come in and transform us so that we would, be, that we would devote more and more of our lives to him. If you were to pray for me, this is the type of prayer that I would ask that you would pray for me. You know, sometimes we pray, God, uh, help so-and-so to be a good husband, to be a good father. Maybe you even pray for Pastor Rick or for myself to be a good pastor. And yet, if we really pray that they would have power by the Spirit to be transformed in their inner being, won't all of those other things follow suit? Pray that God would make me humble. Pray that God would make me loving and wise and compassionate and gentle. And then I am convinced that all of these, things, these other things will happen as well. I've been in the process here lately of doing a lot of interviews for our community pastor. And as I sit down for these interviews, I'm trying to get a feel for the person's experience, their giftedness, uh, their personality, and all of these things. But you know what we need in a, a pastor more than anyone? Someone who has, by the Spirit's power within their hearts, been transformed to be like Christ. You see, that's really what we all need. What if we were to take this prayer by heart and we were to begin to actually pray these type of things for our brothers and sisters, for our leaders of the church, for our people in our small group? What if we had a congregation that we were regularly praying for one another? that they would be transformed by the power of the Spirit so that their inner beings would become more and more like Christ, that, they, that Christ would dwell in their hearts richly through faith. You see, these are the type of prayers. This is a mature intercessory prayer more than, and I'm going to still pray for healing. I'm going to still pray that uh, if someone needs something specific in their life. But man, what if we moved even beyond that and began to pray for what's really within our hearts? Paul challenges us by, by giving us this example to pray for God's power through His Spirit. 
And then he gives a second prayer in verse 17, middle of verse 17. It is a prayer for God's love through his people. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all, uh, the whole, of all, with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Sometimes I think of missionaries like Mitsu and Karen, and, and I think it's got to be very hard sometimes for missionaries that are serving in areas where they don't have a lot of interaction with strong believers. Because in my experience, the way that the Lord's love has been experienced most often is through other Christians. Through Christians that have come alongside of me during different difficult times, through people that I've, I've had Bible study with or served alongside of ministry with, or, or, and I'm blessed to have a Christian wife. Have, is that not your experience as well? That most often the way that Jesus communicates his love is through our brothers and sisters. And Paul is praying here that they would be strengthened, that they would uh, experience God's love through his people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in one of my favorite books, Life Together, writes that a man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. So Paul is praying that through our interactions with one another, that our, love, that our sense of God's love may go deep into our lives. The New Living Translation translates this verse, May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. May we be grounded in God's love. Now all of these things are leading to this statement here at the end of verse 19. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That we would experience God's power through His Spirit. That we would experience His love through the church, and ultimately that we would experience God himself, the full measure of all of the fullness of God. That includes his blessings, that includes his help, that includes his answered prayers, but more than anything, it includes God himself. Scroggy in this book on, uh, on this prayer writes, the fullness of God is just God himself as revealed in Christ, ministered by the Spirit, no larger thought can occupy our finite minds. The goal of this prayer is the full presence of God. And that is my prayer for our church. That is my prayer for our leaders. Uh, that is my prayer for uh, the people that are in the groups that I'm involved in. That is my prayer for all of our members and our attenders that we would grow up in a this, in this sense of God's Spirit, God's power through His Spirit, God's love through His church. And I think that all of this is exciting. In fact, I've decided until we get our uh, community pastor, I'm going to pray this prayer for that person, even though I may not even know his name today. But I may pray that God would fill him by, by the Spirit within him with His power. Fill him with his love through his interaction with other Christians so that when he comes, he arrives with the fullness of God's presence in his life. Now, to me, that's an exciting prayer. 
In fact, Paul seems to kind of get caught up with this excitement. In verses 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Before I was married, like when my early 20s, uh, I'm a list maker, okay? I make out a list every day of things I got to do. Before I go to the store, I make a list. Some of you may be like me, you're list makers. So before I got married, I started to get that urge, you know, I really want to be married. So I made out a list of all the characteristics I want to see in my wife. Now, my wife is home today uh, with a sick child, and so... Please protect me if I say something here that, all right, don't pass on. Uh, but here, here, here was my list. I wish I still had this list. In fact, someone told me to throw this list away. Now I've been married, I've been married over 10 years. I'm pretty safe in my marriage, so I, I wish I had the list now. But I remember, I was really detailed. Some of the things that were kind of, I, I want a good, strong Christian wife. But then the longer my list got, the more specifically specific I got. I said I wanted someone who was musical. So I thought, if I'm going to go into the ministry, what if they don't have any good musicians? Uh, at, least I can, at least I'm married to one, so I need a musical wife. I'd pray through this list every day. I really loved uh, hiking and camping, so I prayed, God, give me someone that likes hiking and camping. It's a great way to enjoy your creation. Do it on the cheap. Uh, so, uh, so I really wanted, now as I said, I've been married for 10 years, and you know how many nights I've slept in a tent with my wife? Zero. <laughs> and if we go hiking, it's more like a leisurely stroll. Chelsea is not a hiker. She sings, but I'll be honest, I stand by her when she sings. She's not musical, all right? She'll admit that that's not meant to be mean. Uh, but I say all of that stuff, and then I read a verse like this, and something strikes me in the heart. Now, to God who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Has not that been the blessings of God in your life sometimes? Things that you never even thought to ask for. Or maybe things you did think to ask for, and in hindsight, you look back and say, God gave me so much more. Chelsea is way better than the list. And sometimes I look back in my life and I think, God has blessed me with so much, some of what I never even thought to ask. And I think about what God may do in our church and what God may do in our own lives, and it just gets me excited that God loves us, that He is such a heavenly Father that he would long to pour out the fullness of his blessings, which is primarily he himself in such ways that we can't even begin to grasp right now. And so my prayer is, and as I said, this is a, one of those sermons that's been kind of a conviction for me. Here is my commitment. I'm going to try to do a better job of praying for others. And one of the ways that I'm going to seek to pray is by using this as a model prayer. And maybe this will inspire you as well to think God has called us to pray for our brothers and sisters. And not just for the surfacey things, but to pray for the deep things. Pray that God, by His Spirit, through His power, might transform our inner beings. 
Pray that God might pour out his love in those that we know through their relationships with other believers. And more than anything, pray that God would fill them with a keen sense and an awareness of his presence in their lives. That's how we might pray for our missionaries. How we can pray for Tina, our worship director. We can pray for Stephen and Shugo and Andrew and Now and, and our small group leaders that we would grow deep in our knowledge of God, in our love and uh, dependence upon his power. So that's my commitment. And I ask that you would join me in praying for those as well. In fact, as we close today, let's take a minute and uh, pray a prayer of intercession for one another. And we might use this as a model for us. Let's pray. Father God, I know we could spend a lot more time on this passage that is before us. But God, we, we have just touched a few things that have inspired our hearts. And so we kneel before you in reverence and awe. We thank you that you are our Father, that you have called us into a family, a family in which we know you as our Father and that we have fellowship with you through your Spirit in which we have received brothers and sisters into our lives that not only have given us the beginning of our faith, but from which we derive our name, our identity. We thank you for the ways that you have blessed us. And God, we pray for our brothers and our sisters even sitting in this room right now. As people come to our minds, we pray that you would strengthen them with power through your spirit in their inner being. I pray for Pastor Rick. I pray for the leaders in our church, our small group leaders, our Sunday school uh, teachers, our youth leaders. Pray that you would give them power and transform them on the inside so that they might dwell with Christ in their hearts through faith. And I pray for those in our church that we would be rooted and established in love, that that love of yours would go deep into our lives and that we might experience that in fellowship with one another. That as we meet together and as we serve side by side, that your love would be driven deep into our hearts, that ultimately through all of these things, we might have an awareness of your presence with us, that we might be blessed with all the fullness of God, and that we might walk by your Spirit. We know that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we pray that that power and that love might be experienced in our lives, ultimately to your glory. Forever and ever, amen.